Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. So, Joel, did did you actually watch the game this weekend? Because... I did in body, but uh, my mind wasn't fully there. And I know you were in a very similar situation to I this weekend. So if this isn't exactly the greatest episode of the uh, the Greencast, uh, that's, uh, there's good reason, isn't there? Absolutely. And I mean, the bar to be the greatest episode in the history of the Greencast isn't very high, not only because of a lack of volume, but also a general lack of quality so that's certainly to be taken into consideration as well but no i actually saw maybe about three minutes of the game live as i was in toronto for my own bachelor party so we did a couple of things and we ended up at a bar after the toronto blue jays game on friday night and surprisingly that game was actually on tv it wasn't on the main screen it was on some of the other smaller screens but it was still there and it was on we just didn't really stay long enough for me to see much more than that, and then we went on to other things, and I knew that, you know, I told Drew that I wasn't around this weekend, so he yes. he pinch hit for me and did a great job making uh, making sense of that game for everyone in the moment while I sat around, had a few beers, drank drank a few beers, ate some meat, and uh, called it a day, basically. Oh, oh that, is, that is perfect. See, I was at uh, another CFL podcaster's condo, as it was the bachelor party for one of our very best friends, Brandon, who's getting married next month. Um, so needless to say, the day began with a successful shirt shopping trip. Do you know how hard it is to find not a white shirt, but an ivory shirt for a wedding? Uh, probably difficult, because I don't imagine that would be a very popular color in a lot of ways. Well... Well, when your options are Walmart, Superstore, and Lamley's, or the really expensive clothing store, you kind of don't have a lot of options in Lloyd's. So we decided finding an ivory shirt, a set of ivory shirts, was worth a celebration. So we started our celebration, ate cheeseburgers, and then watched it on a projector that takes up the entire living room wall of Brazilian Ties place. So by the um, by halftime... My uh, note-taking skills weren't, uh, weren't so good. I was still watching. I was enjoying having a few cold ones. and uh, But, uh, yeah, the notes uh, notes section got a little garbly gook after half. Fair enough. But the important thing to note is, well, I can't speak for you, John. I know that I have caught up when I watched the game. I was able to, well, I was able to sit down last night. We're, film, we're filming. Jeez. We're recording on Tuesday night. Thank God we're not filming. Um, on Tuesday night, I watched the game Monday night at home. <laughs> As uh, the Xbox One app for TSN Go actually archives like all the live sports they show on TSN. So if you're ever wondering where you can find a game because your PVR broke or it was like the Bombers game the other night that went for like 300 hours and you would <laughs> never find a replay of that or you couldn't possibly PVR it. If you do have an Xbox One, and I assume it's probably the same on PlayStation, where all the TSN Go app, 
everything is archived on there, so I was able to sit down and watch, finally watch the game last night and uh, try to make a little bit of sense of it. I, I, I tried doing that Sunday, and I fell asleep because I was still um, under the weather. And then after my sales manager, Francis, at my real job told me, John, you still look pretty sleepy. Maybe you should take the rest of today off instead of taking your usual Friday off. I went home, tried again, and uh, fell asleep again. So I think I've watched most of it. But again, thanks to some great recaps by our boy Drew Edwards, I feel like I'm uh, in a position to kind of talk about the game. We all know I'm the least credible person associated with the great website that is Three Down Nation, so I have a very low bar. There's no question about that, but the good news for you is the game <laughs> kind of repeated itself over and over. The kind of the broad storylines of the game were the same from the start to the end. There wasn't like this great dramatic turn at any point throughout right. the game where something huge changed and you had to know about it. It was a pretty consistent football game, so whatever kind of happened in the first half continued on in the second half. There was some good for the Riders. There was, I wouldn't say bad, but there's still a little, a few lingering questions I think I have. And of course, we'll be looking ahead to this week's game against the Ottawa Red Blacks as well, as they finally, well not finally, but they hit the road for the first time. And there'll be a, little, a new face on defense after an injury to DB Marshall this week. I think you all know at this point who that is, but we'll get into that a little bit. And uh, every week we're going to talk a little bit about kind of one other storyline of something that happened in the CFL now that we're into real games and there's always something to talk about every week. And we're going to talk a little bit about what we saw in Winnipeg over the course of that 300 hours and just what that might mean <laughs> for the Bombers regular season, even though they did lose that game. But first, John, yeah. as always, I know you might still be hurting a little bit, so I'll take it easy on you if it's nothing amazing, but uh, what's in the glass this week? Actually, in the glass this week, I, I did Father's Day gift. Lacey went and visited a local liquor store, picked me up some Saskatchewan made brews. So I am trying, and I'm going to dub this the beer of the summer. Ooh. It is Pile of Bones White IPA. Yeah, that's, that's, that is one of my favorite beers going right now. I could oh. get really nerdy into all of the changes that have been happening around there and, you know, what led to it. What is long story short, they have a, a new they've had a new brewer for about six to eight months now. And he's really, really tweaked those recipes and got them singing now. Oh, it, it's just it, it, it to me. Like, again, we talked about my love of Rattlers and how, how I love, you know, a summer beer when it's yeah. nice and warm outside. Like, obviously, it is right now. But I still like something with some flavor, and man, did they ever nail it. They got the citrusy in there. They got, mm -hmm. you know, the nice, a little bit of that, that mellow, hoppy taste. It just, it's a real winner. I'm going on holidays here in two weeks, and I'm going to be in a cab, and I'm going to have to stock up and bring it all the way across the country, which pretty sure is illegal now, so uh, just don't pull over my, uh, my minivan. You mean your not minivan, your something else that you drive? Oh, no, I have a minivan. Too. I was trying to divert the cops. Oh, oh, right. Yeah, yeah right, yeah, 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 yes, yeah, right, yeah, there, yeah, 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 my, uh, <laughs> my silver Nissan Rogue that I'm totally taking there, not my black minivan. Damn it, I did it again. You just can't help yourself, John. It's I'm sorry, too honest. You're too good of a citizen. What can I say? I don't know. For me, um, this is going to seem awkward because it's going to look like we're sponsored again when we're not. Um, we are still always open for sponsorships, if anyone's interested. Wink, wink, nudge, nudge. Uh, I'm also going with Pile of Bones. This might be, like, the last can available in the province right now, other than I know they have some stored at the brewery because they're experimenting with it a little bit. It's yep. the Pile of Bones Peanut Butter Milk Stout. 
Oh, yes, yes. Yeah. This is the stuff that you tried in the bowl of cereal yes. for Happy Hour's Facebook page. Yes, that's exactly what I did that for, and it still remains one of our highest viewed videos. So apparently people like me torturing myself. <laughs> I, I, I know, I, I, as your friend, I enjoyed it a little bit. Yeah, and so transition time, what we did enjoy a little bit was the Riders game on Friday, or for my case, the Riders game late Monday night, and <laughs> there, was a lo- there was a lot of questions going into that game, I think, to be fair, after the disaster of a preseason game against Calgary, what yep. we saw in the first preseason game as well, and just overall, the changes to the roster led us to believe, led us kind of down the path of, okay, how is this going to play out? Other than the offensive line and, you know, the, the Canadian depth, none of it was necessarily negative, it's just storylines that appear before the start of every football season for every team. Yeah. So John, we're gonna we're gonna start with the obvious one because we have to talk about it, and it's Zach Claros. What'd you think? I I liked it. I think he still looked like he was shaking the rust off a little bit. I mean he got a new new team, new city, didn't play a lot of meaningful snaps in the preseason, especially not with the ones, but I was really impressed. A he he snapped his personal twelve game losing streak, which which you knew what would happen, but what I like that, that he did is he's looking for that guy to have that great chemistry with, mm-hmm. and he clearly hasn't found it yet, but in lieu of that, nine different pass catchers caught balls. He was spreading it around, keeping the defense on his toes, trying to see who he starts to gel with. That really impressed me. I, I thought I thought he looked good. I, I thought the thing that did surprise me with the offense, as an aside, was you know, they ran the ball. It looks like they're really yeah. focused on, on, on running the ball a lot more this year, keeping the pressure off of Caleros. But uh, in terms of Caleros, I, I think you and I have talked about it, that as long as everybody stays healthy, the talent around him is good enough that if he, he doesn't have to go win games, he just has to not lose them. That's exactly what he did. He took great advantage. And, and I think it was a, a learn. It was almost like the preseason, seeing him chuck balls to all the different receivers and, and try to figure his own things out. But I was impressed, and I think he's just going to be better as the weeks go on. Yeah, it, it will be now that there's a little more film on him now in this new offense and how it's going to work. It'll be interesting how it's going to work going forward. And I, I, we will talk about the running game in a little bit because I think that is – an important change that appears to have happened in this team this year. But as for Claros, yeah, I, I there's nothing that I would say that he... There was the one good throw on the touchdown in the first half where he had that ball had good zip on it, and that was a good throw. But everything else he did was smart, calculated football. There was nothing that was necessarily like, oh my goodness, that was a ridiculous play. And yeah. we've seen that from this offense before, that they don't need that. And with the caliber of the defense, which we will absolutely get into as well... You, they definitely don't need it because to me, when I'm watching that game and the offense, it was it was a step above last year's, but yes. it wasn't like aggressively better than last year's. I wouldn't like if these two offenses played each other, it'd probably still be a pretty close game. I wouldn't say that this year's offense is going to blow away last year's offense based on what we saw on one game. Now, of course, football is a sport where you build towards something, so maybe they will get there. But at this point, I would say, okay, the offense. If if this if things hold, it's a little better than last year, but it's still not the dominant unit on this team that is probably going to win them many football games. It will on occasion have to win them a football game because that's just the nature of the game. But I wouldn't say that it was mind-blowing offense, but it was pretty good overall, and I, I, I don't think you can really complain about a whole lot. No, no, and it definitely, it wasn't, it was one of those offenses that, that you looked and you weren't thinking, 
oh, God, this could be bad. It was almost like you looked and said, okay, this is good, and I think it's going to be much better. You mentioned there wasn't a lot of oh-my-God kind of moments. I think Calaris and the, and the offense has the ability to come up with those. Now, they didn't have to against Toronto, and maybe they weren't comfortable doing that, but you know, once you see guys like Carter, Roosevelt, maybe start to hit their stride a little bit more, maybe that's when you see that oh my god, big game play, and that's when you know things could really start to take off for this football team. To me, the offense looked like they were playing preseason game number three, but the ones got to stay in there the whole time, and I don't mean that as a bad thing. No, that's that's a, that's essentially what week one in the CFL is. When you only play two yeah. preseason games, and I'm not going to sit here and say they should play more preseason games like the oh, NFL. God, no. It's just it's just a matter of fact. It's what it is. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and so the interesting twist, the interesting twist that we really saw in the offense this year compared to last year was more of a commitment to running the football. Now, I don't know if that's a personnel issue or if it's a protection issue or a combination of both, but it was a refreshing change to see. So it, it appears at least after one week, now it's not like they rushed for 200 yards and that's all they did, but there was at least a commitment to running the football that we didn't see last year, even though I liked Cameron Marshall last year. I thought yep. he probably could have done what the guys last night, last week, this week did. But nonetheless, it appears that at this point, at the very least, right now, Offensive coordinator Stephen McAdoo did a little bit of internal look. He looked at himself, as Glenn Suter, TSN's Glenn Suter likes to say, did a little bit of self-scouting on himself and yep. looked back at the offense and said, okay, we're not a running team, but we need to run a little bit more than we did last year. Well, absolutely, they do. I mean, you're never going to be able to run any kind of play action for the entire year if teams are just selling out on your pass the the entire year and then you know that the defensive lineman could just pin their ears back and go eat some quarterback not expecting the run I think this offense needs balance especially with an injury prone injury prone guy like Caleros you need to keep somebody guessing you got to keep the defensive back or defensive lineman from eating him alive every chance they get and I think that's what they brought in Jerome Messam to do although he wasn't dominant he did his job and you know what you look across the CFL nobody really had a huge outburst of a rushing performance I mean, you had several solid rushing performances, and uh, I, I, maybe that's all this team needs. Again, just let's keep some defensive honest. Let's let's keep Caleros from getting murdered by defensive linemen every single down because you know they're coming, and keep them honest. You know, Jerome Messam is, is going to be the guy to do that because the old joke amongst all of us is he can just fall over and gain three yards. Yeah, and that's that's basically what he does sometimes, but... I, I, I think it, it is partially personnel, and I, I think that's a big part of it. They obviously trust the guys they have a little bit more this year. And, I mean, Trey Mason had a pretty d decent couple of runs as well, and he looks like he might be a nice little change of pace from the truck that yep. is Jerome Messam. And so, but I, I do think there is a lot to it. I think after the couple of preseason games, they look back and they realize, okay, we knew we needed to have to, had to run a little more this year. I think they definitely felt they have to run a little bit more this year to help that offensive line because it's, it's okay, yes, there's the issue of keeping defenders honest and they're not going to pin their ears back because they know that you're always throwing on every down. There is a certain mojo that the offensive line gets by being the attackers rather than the protectees. When they get to get up there and they get to get nasty and yes. they get to push the play forward, that generally helps their attitude and allows them to play that generally takes his offensive lines to another level because they are the aggressors rather than the protectors. 
No, you're absolutely right. And every every offensive lineman you ever talked in the history of ever would much rather run block than pass protect. Well, yeah, because, I mean, number one, it's easier. <laughs> <laughs> That's fair. <laughs> like, no offense. It's, it's a lot more. It's a lot easier to be the aggressor rather than the protector. Because, number one, if you're backing up, you don't know what some guy is going to do. If you're just pushing the guy in front of you for, like, you know, to simplify it a little bit. I know run blocking is far more complicated than that. But it's, it's, you know, relatively speaking, an easier thing to do to have forward momentum than backward momentum. So all of that makes sense. To me, the the moment of the game that really stood out for me as like the moment where the Riders were likely going to win that football game was that weird third and three where it looked like they were going to run off and punt and then they went back out on offense. Yeah. Yeah, and in my opinion, made the right call because they're kind of in that weird spot where it's okay, we punt, but do we really gain that much yardage? And it's too long for a field goal, especially with a guy making his first start in five years. So, you know what? Let's just go for it. And it was a good little fake, and they got the play, and then Caleros threw the gun, to, threw it down there, I believe, to Roosevelt, and they got the first down. And you know that was that's just what I love. And I know I get a little bit on Twitter sometimes, especially from some non CFL fans that follow me, just for how aggressive of a fan I am of aggressive football. Yes. And that was one of those plays where I'm like, and Chris Jones does pull these out every once in a while. They haven't always worked, but more often than not, they have where he's going, you know what? We're playing to win right now. We're not playing to not lose. Let's go for this. And that was that moment in this game. It was early. It was in the first half. So it's hard to say that, you know, if it doesn't, if they they don't make it, there's plenty of time to recover, of course. But it was still one of those moments where I'm like, yep, this is still a very aggressive team at times. And when that shot is there, they're going to take it. And I personally, not just because they made it, but just the general mindset of it, I like the call and the decision to go for it. Well, and I'm with you. I'm also a huge fan of going for it on on third down. I mean, you know, most offenses out there, you're looking, you're able to successfully get at least a couple of yards in every single play on average, especially as you mentioned, Joel, in those kind of areas that, well, you're right, if we we're too long for a field goal. If we punt, what are we gaining? Like, you're, you're, as good, and this is no offense to Josh Bartel, who's probably one of the best coffin corner kickers in the CFL, and he probably yeah. could have pinned them. Just at that range, your odds of rolling in for a rouge are a lot better than anywhere else on the field. Yeah, so absolutely. you play the numbers yeah. and you go for it, basically, especially if you trust your defense, which I think Chris Jones should at this point. Well, and I think, too, it just jacks the offense up. The coach has the, the faith in them. I mean, in those, I mean, how many times do you see you know, quarterbacks coming off the field, giving their coach and their OC an earful because they want to stay on. They want to go for it and they won't let them do it. I think it's, it fires up your mm-hmm. whole team. It shows your defense that you trust them to get a stop, you know, on a shorter field in case, you know, the offense can't get it done. It shows your offense that you trust them to go out and get the job done. I, I, I love the move. It's an aggressive move. And I want to see more out of it from Chris Jones this year. Yeah. I, I, well, I think every coach should do it, but it was, it, it, it had the, th- it had the potential to go very wrong because the play ended up going deep downfield rather than just the four yards necessary for a first down. But I guess at that point, if it's picked, it's basically a punt as long as you can get the tackle right away. So no harm, no foul. Yeah, absolutely. But, yeah. So we'll, we'll talk the other side of the ball now because that play does affect the defense a little bit. And we hinted at it that Chris Jones should trust this defense. And I think most notably in that game defensively was that that defensive line became came exactly as advertised which you don't always get especially in week one with a lot of new faces and a lot of new players I mean basically Willie Jefferson's the only returning starter from that defensive line last year and all and and there's a lot of four down four linemen instead of three which I liked 
And that line simply just they just got after it. Well, and and we and we knew. I mean, it's the old the Bears are who we thought they were line. It was the the Riders D line was exactly who we thought they were going to be. They were dominant the whole night long, and you know the the, the fact that they can mix up bodies there and mix mm-hmm. up sets and looks and oh, it was it it was good. I, I had been and you know salivating at a chance to watch these guys go to work and watch it in game one was was a treat. Yeah, because I mean Chris Jones made us wait for it. Neither guy played. Neither of the bookends played in either preseason game, so you, we kind of got the you know, the backups and the third stringers and guys who didn't make the team for the most part on the defensive line, and so we had to wait to see how this would actually work. And frankly, you couldn't have asked for a better debut, especially for a guy like Charleston Hughes, who apparently has all the motivation in the world after being cut by Calgary or traded by Calgary. And three sacks in your debut, and all of a sudden, I mean, he's already out in the sack lead, and if he, it won't take long before is that lead insurmountable at three. When they're at three in one week, it doesn't take much to all of a sudden be at five or six just a few weeks in. Yeah, yeah, absolutely, and I think he'll get there. He looked just as dominant as ever in the opening game, and I don't, I don't see that changing. I mean, I, I think Calgary, you know. Calgary's similar to the New England Patriots. They'd rather get rid of a guy a year too early than a year too late. And I think they probably, they got rid of him definitely a year or two too early. And that is a great benefit to the riders. Yeah. And in all likelihood, Calgary has the horses to pardon the pun to move on (laughs) and to, (laughs) to fill that hole left behind by Charleston Hughes. I don't think we have any doubt there, but if this helps the riders get, to that next level this year and maybe next and granted it's one game a lot can still happen but it was it was interesting in the TSN broadcast and there, I think there's this, this was never even an angle I even thought of when they talked about and they played the clips of even Willie Jefferson is learning from Charleston Hughes at this point and we all we all sit there and we assume that Willie Jefferson is this elite amazing pass rusher who should already know it all already but even he's they say he's learning different techniques learning different things from Charleston Hughes and you're like Willie Jefferson thinks he can still get better from Charleston Hughes. How good is he going to be? Damn. Absolutely. <laughs> if you haven't noticed, and I, I've written this a lot on Three Down Nation, like Willie Jefferson is, Jefferson is pretty much my CFL like football man crush. The guy is just a freak out there, and he played so good last year with nobody around him, and this year he's got all the tools, and I just I just can't wait. Yeah, no, I'm with you, man. I, 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 I don't think my man crush is quite up there. Um, I still have a few of those in lacrosse, but I, I, I see the light. I totally understand the bro crush, and I'm sure I'll be catching up there very soon. Yeah, so that that was an interesting angle. And the other thing they did interestingly with Charleston Hughes, which maybe explains why he didn't really play a whole lot in the pre at all in the preseason, because they wanted to hide this wrinkle a little bit, was he didn't always line up at the end. Frankly, there was a few plays where. He essentially lined up as the middle linebacker, and he just bull rushed right up the middle and got through. And I mean, if if the if the, the scheme is changing a little bit for him, where it's not always going to be off the edge, and you and you're starting to not know where Charleston Hughes is coming from, that's kind of a scary proposition for offenses. 
Well, absolutely, and and we talk about the versatility of that defensive line. You know, you still have to focus so much on on guys like Willie Jefferson that you can sneak around Hughes a little bit and bring the different looks. And you know what, a guy like him with a running start coming directly at a quarterback while you're worried about guys coming off the edges. I, I again, I could see him leading the league in sacks. And, and again, he's already got three. He's already got a bit of a lead, but I don't think it'd be unfathomed to to see him. You know hang you know flirt with getting over 20 sacks this year Whew. that's, that's a, my that's a bold that is prediction. a bold take and a hot take yeah so was on he's on pace for 30 something right now you know you just take a oh yeah, I mean, yeah over the course it's, it's like the guy who hits like three home runs in the first game of major league baseball season like, oh he's on pace to hit like 500 home runs this year and everyone <laughs> says it as a joke is because it's fun to say right <laughs> but but this one is much more realistic you know yes it is it is marginally more realistic than hitting 500 home runs in a major league baseball season <laughs> or whatever the math is i'm just making up a number because i know it's absurd Uh, there's something i need to get off my chest here so it's not to do with the defense it's this thousand thousand talk and it came up even during the riders argos game because okay james wilder jr plays for the argos and he is one of those guys that legitimately has a chance to do it him and andrew harris to me are the only two can we stop talking about everyone else i've heard some other podcasts i believe it was even on podsky wee where they Said it wasn't likely to happen, so Josh and the guys calm down. I'm not throwing you guys under the bus here, but the fact that they said, you know, oh, C.J. Gable, maybe he's a guy at Edmonton that could do it. And then they brought it up on the broadcast on the T- on TSN in the, for the Riders, and they're saying, oh, yeah, it's probably not going to happen. You know, maybe Jerome Messam has an outside shot at 1,000, 1,000. I'm like, whoa, 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 whoa. Y- yeah, Considering no. how, uh, what I'm kind of expecting the offense to kind of be average plus, if he has a thousand yards of total offense for Jerome Messam, I'd be pretty happy at the end of the year. Let's let's not let's not project even the slightest possibility of two thousand yards on Jerome Messam. Let's and, let's and, back and, off a little bit. And the fact is, I was rolling my eyes, and we should turn this into a drinking game on every broadcast. Take a sip of something every time they bring up one thousand, one thousand, because. Why are you saying a guy is on, and here I am saying Charleston Hughes is on uh, on pace for 30-some sacks, but in fairness, after one game, why are you saying, oh, he's on pace for this and he's on pace for that? It's 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 absurd. Let's worry about this after Labor Day if a guy's on pace for it then. I don't mm-hmm. want to hear about it every single CFL game I watch because it's bad enough hearing Rod Blackisms and still hearing about Ben Cahoon and Anthony Calvillo, you know, all these years after their playing careers ended. Yeah, like as a preseason talking point surrounding two guys, I got it. But let's stop projecting this potential onto someone else. Like all of a sudden, every single running back in this league is apparently capable of. It, it, maybe they are physically capable of doing it, but it's just not going to happen. Considering it's never happened in the case of the league, I would, at the end of the day, be stunned if one guy actually ended up doing it. But to me, there's really only two guys in the league who could do it, and there's still so much that has to go right for that to happen. I would agree. So, what do you what, what's next for the Riders? So they got the they got the Red Blacks on Thursday, and yep. they're having an injury on defense, and that's led to some interesting news today out of Rider practice, where we learned that Deron Carter will in flat in fact play defensive back against the Red Blacks, but the big but, and this to me this is an important qualifier that I actually agree with Chris Jones. That's all he's going to do. He's not going to play receiver. 
I mean, if they're down by a touchdown in the final drive of the game, okay, yeah, I mean, he might, they might put him in a receiver, but the plan for the most part, I would assume, is he's going to play defense, bar, and Chris Owens, I don't think, added this part, but it's barring some major circumstances, he might see some time on offense, I'm sure, but he's going to play defense, and to me, I think, if you're going to put Deron Carter on defense because of an emergency injury situation, this is how you're going to have to do it, because Chris Jones said it himself, he's not Superman, it's too much to ask it for a guy at a professional level to legitimately play an important role on both sides of the ball throughout the entire course of a football game, especially this early in the season. No, and you're absolutely right. I, 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 I'm I, a fan of, I still think he's better on offense than he is on defense, but I also go back to my tinfoil hat conspiracy theory where I definitely think that the Riders and Deron Carter have a gentleman's agreement of, okay, we're going to showcase you a lot on defense whenever we have a pretty good reason to do so, because when we do that, that's expanding your NFL stock. I would, and I know Chris Jones is saying this now, I think Deron Carter will be most effective if he's out there on defense and a majority of the reps, but you just see him out there, even if it's nothing more than a decoy, you know, seven to 10 offensive plays. Like, don't yeah. roll him out there every single series, but you know that you know that the guys on defense for Ottawa are going to take a second look if you see 89 come out and, and, and come into the huddle or come as a quick substitution. You know you're going to pay have to pay a little bit extra attention to him and game plan around him. Even if he does nothing but stand there, I still think that, that he's most effective just being on the offensive side of the ball, albeit for a limited time in this contest. Yeah, I think at this point of the year, there isn't. There's some of the younger bodies. They're still trying to get them caught up on the defense. If they brought in someone this week to play, he obviously couldn't start right away on defense either. So, Duran Carter was probably the best DB option for an emergency injury replacement at this point. I would hope that he wouldn't have to play DB for the entire time that Marshall is on the six-game injured list. I would right. hope that at some point someone else is ready to step up, or they find someone that they can bring in that they think will fit their system. I, I think that's ultimately where this has to go, but in the short turnaround of a week, I think this makes sense. And, you know, it, it'll be interesting to watch because we've seen him play the DB in Calgary. We've seen him do spot duty on defense. It'll be interesting to see how he adapts and how he plays a full game, essentially, as just a defensive back and how that works out for him because there has been rumblings in the past about teams looking at him down south as a potential DB. So this will be the first shot anyone really has to say, okay, he's going in there. His sole focus is defense this week. How is he going to react? And I, th I that's easily now the biggest storyline heading into this game. No, it, and absolutely it is. I still think, though, that you got to see him out there just for a handful of plays just to, you know, just to keep the red blacks on their toes. Yeah, and I, I think because I think the state of what we saw in the offense in that game against Toronto helps this decision a little bit because you saw Caleros be comfortable enough to throw to eight other receivers not named Duron Carter. So clearly they saw something offensively where they said, okay, we know our offense is, it's decent, it's good. It's, it hurts to lose a guy like Duron Carter on offense, no question, but we can overcome it in one week considering how good the rest of this defense is. If we keep Ottawa below 20, like they tend to do as a team for the most part under Chris Jones the last year and a half, yep. then they should be able to score 21 points at least without Jerron Carter on offense, I would think. That's that's what they're banking on. And I, if, I, if we were 
doing a pick them just like everybody and their dog seems to do these days. I like would us on 3downnation.com? Well, me yeah, and absolutely. the other guys, you know? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I would definitely say I'd be picking the riders in this one. Yeah, I, I'm leaning that way right now. It is. It will be their first game on the road, and weird stuff happens on the road, especially when you travel to the east, and it's important to note that the Red Blacks are coming off a bye as well, so you know that they're going to be really chomping at the bit to go. So we'll see how all of that plays out. I'm not saying that I'm going to take Ottawa. I think I'm gonna. I'm ultimately going to take the Riders in this game because West versus East, and Ottawa's and the the Riders have had a pretty good history against the Red Blacks in their time since returning to the CFL. So I I think it's going to be a pretty good game. It's going to be close. There's been a lot of weird Ottawa Saskatchewan games too. So I'm not yeah. counting out something very strange happening that we're going to have to talk about next week. But it should be a good football game, and I I think it's going it's going to be close, and. You know, it, it, it might come down to a rouge or a field goal or something along those lines because, I, as we talked earlier, I don't think that offense is quite runaway good yet. But that defense, no matter how bad the offense may or may not play, will keep them in that football game. I hope it always comes down to a punted into the end zone and punted out situation for every game. Oh, that's the only thing you could ever really ask for as a CFL fan, right? That's what I want every single game. Every time there's a game that's tied late, how many of us go onto YouTube and look up that Montreal-Toronto kick-in, kick-out scenario where they, there was like the one or two that went back in each time? And I think that was really the last time it happened. And we're all just like, Ugh. I know. I watch it, and then, I, then I'll usually tweet about it, and then I'll just reminisce about it. Yeah, and then anyone who's watching in the States will be like, what the heck did I just see? And oh, But, but, but it's so American glorious. My American followers love it. They they just they they shake their heads, but you know deep down inside, they want to embrace the rouge. Absolutely, as they should. Another thing that we all hope to experience at some time, and I mean that completely sarcastically, is a 300-hour football game between the Winnipeg Blue Bombers and the Edmonton Eskimos. Um, there was a lot of intrigue going into this game, obviously because of the injury to Bombers quarterback. Matt Nichols, and yep. that had a lot of us, rightfully so, pretty down on the Bombers' chances for at least the first four to six weeks, if that's in fact as long as Matt Nichols is out. Now, unsurprisingly, they lost the game against Edmonton because, by all accounts, Edmonton, and they remain number one on the three Down Nation power rankings. and As they should. And many other power rankings, I'm sure, as well. But is there reason to be slightly optimistic about what we saw from the bomber perspective in that game, because I mean, the quarterback Chris Everly, he looked, he didn't look amazing. He yeah. had his mo, he had his late, he had his moment. He had like his welcome to the CFL moment late, where it finally caught up to him a little bit. I think, but for the most part, maybe it helped because he got to stop and start so many times. For a rookie quarterback, I mean, we haven't seen a performance like that from a rookie quarterback in the CFL in quite some time. That, that is honestly some of the best quarterbacking we've seen from somebody not named Matt Nichols in Winnipeg for a very long time. I thought, true. I thought he was good, and especially considering the circumstances you've alluded to with all the lightning delays. And it was funny, as I left for Lloyd Minster for my, for my buddy Stag, I'm like, okay, that's it. Leaving Saskatoon at about 7. Yep. Listen to the last of the game with, with the legend Bob Irving. And I turn it on, and they're talking, and... Then I realized it's a lightning delay. So the nice thing was, was by the time I got to Lloyd Minster at around 10 o'clock, I got to watch most of the game. It was fantastic. Yeah, that same thing happened to me. We got home. That was 
was Thursday night. I was out with my friend in Toronto before kind of everything started on Friday and Saturday. And I remember watching a little bit of the game at his place. We went out, came home, and I was like, oh, the first half is just ending. That's cool. So then I stayed <laughs> up until like 2.10 in the morning watching football, and it was great. But I, 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 maybe we shouldn't be all that surprised. I mean, th- this is a situation where a rookie quarterback has probably been dropped into the best situation a CFL rookie quarterback has ever been dropped into. Usually when a rookie quarterback is forced to make a start in the CFL, it's because they're playing for a complete tire fire of a team like the Montreal Alouettes, not a team that is basically Grey Cup contenders without a quarterback right now. Well, and two, you got to think he had basically two full weeks to prepare for this game against Edmonton, you know, had had a chance to, to watch what they're going to do on film and Hopefully it continues to work out for the Bombers' sake. But, you know, then again, he could, you know, completely implode and go, you know, like two for 20 and eight picks somehow. And, uh, you know, it could go completely the other way. That's the joy of the CFL. Yeah. And, uh, I mean, we've seen it's not impossible for a quarterback to have a good game and then the next game not play well. So it will be interesting to watch going forward what's going there. And there's one last little bit of CFL news I want to touch on. I'm sorry to spring this on you, John. We didn't talk about it before, but... I think Uh we have to talk about this one, and that's the Eskimos adding Terrell Owens to their neg list. 44-year-old receiver Terrell Owens is now on the Eskimos neg list, as there was some videos today of him working out as well. And and running like a 4-4-40, like just some absurd time. Yeah. I'd, I'd love to see it. Would you? I would love to see it. Only because I think he would come up here and he would be no better than anybody on any practice roster <laughs> in the entire league and he'd get served a big old piece of humble pie. But I do like I, – I, I, I think it's fun that, that the Eskimos, maybe they saw him and they just overreacted and they threw him on the neg list, you know. It could, you know just, it could be like a one-week fun story thing where they did it for, like, S and Giggles, but they decided not – ultimately nothing will probably come of it. But, you know what, it's a fun conversation point right now, right? It would put some asses in seats if he did happen to play a game. But I, I, I can guarantee you at this point in his life, nearly everybody that's signed to a CFL contract is probably a better fit – Oh, forty-four-year-old Terrell Owens. But I, but at one hundred percent. But at the same time, I mean, even if if you're a forty-four-year-old Terrell Owens, signing and, st- and even sticking around with a team for a few weeks as a forty-four-year-old after being out of football for a few years, think that's kind of an ego boost for a guy like that who is very much into ego boost, right? It, it, it would be amazing. The only thing that surprises me is that it wasn't Montreal doing it because we know how they love. They're crap washed up CFLers. Yeah, that was. I think that was more under Jim Pop, especially when he's trying to find a quarterback. Yeah, <laughs> Josh Freeman. Yeah, uh, he's a little, he's a little younger and at least somewhat still removed from the NFL. He was still crushing Canadian darts, though. Absolutely, he was. But okay, this is never ever going to happen. But could you imagine if you know half? I don't know when they. I don't know when they meet this year. Later in the year. CFL on TSN, all of a sudden it's now CFL on ESPN on the main network because the Hamilton Tiger Cats are playing the Edmonton Eskimos and it's Johnny Manziel with Terrell Owens on the other side. And you, you know that would be on ESPN's <laughs> main network. It'd be huge, I think, for the league, for the amount of mainstream exposure that would happen. And like I said, Mazzoli, he was okay. 
I still say Manziel starting by the time the playoffs come around. Yeah, you're saying that, and you're going to stick with it. If not, if it does, doesn't happen, well, I'll be there to remind you. Yeah, of the coldest of takes. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.